Hello and welcome to Small Screen Stories. This is the daily show where I go over all the news in the world of entertainment and pop culture. And I'm Edward Lauder, I'm the editor of Small Screen. And let's just start off at the very beginning with what is possibly the biggest, yeah, the biggest bit of news of the day is that John Boyega revealed in an interview with BBC that he has, uh, that he had a telephone call with Kathleen Kennedy and he actually called it uh, transparent and honest, which... um, I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty interesting. So all of this stems from uh, the comments he made in a GQ article, in which uh, he basically criticised, heavily criticised Disney for what they did with him and other other characters and, and actors of colour in the Star Wars franchise. Which is basically, let, let's let's take him for example and. Um, how John Boyega characters, uh, John Boyega's character Finn was really set up to be one of the uh, main uh, characters in the Star Wars franchise and ended up being kind of, yeah, he, he was pushed a bit to the side. He, he was, yet his character was still kind of left, right and center as far as um, pro- promotional materials concerned. So th- this was really the problem that he had with the way the studio um, saw him and uh, other uh, other uh, other actors uh, of color and really put them to one side. The same thing can, can be said about um, uh, about a bunch of characters in the Star Wars universe. It's very much, and he also said that they gave all the nuance to Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley's characters, which is very true. They really did, and even to a certain extent, like Poe and 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 Finn were really set. They were set up as the three main characters, but in the end. They really weren't, and there, there there wasn't really as much time given to say Poe and Finn as there was to um, to Princess Leia and uh, and Han Solo in the in the original trilogy, and it, and it, it's something that is that really bothered um, bothered John Boyega, and he just had to talk, speak out about it, which he did in a, in a really. So a really good interview. If you if you have time, go and check out the interview in in GQ magazine. It was really interesting. And anyway, he was talking to the BBC, and it was actually was promoting the release of Steve McQueen's uh, film Red um, Red White and Blue. And in that interview, said so. I got on the phone. Uh, I got, uh, sorry, I got on a phone call with Kathleen Kennedy, and she verbally showed support. And we got and we got to have a really nice, transparent, honest conversation that is beneficial for us both. So then he went on to add that. Uh, that it could sound like he's trying to save his own career but he's definitely not so he said I think these kinds of conversations you can go into the realm of sounding like you're just trying to save your own career but what is great now is that a conversation is um sorry but what is great now is that it is a conversation that anyone has access to not now people can express their, themselves about this knowing that any character we love especially in these big franchises like the marvels and star wars is uh, we love them because of the moments that they are that they are given. We love them because of those moments and their heroic moments that these producers all decide for the for these characters. So we need to see that in our characters and that are maybe black and from other cultures. So he's basically that he's saying that they need more representation, but not just representation. It needs to go further than that. That they need to be more than just. We need to have uh, black ca- uh, characters and uh, characters from other cultures that are more than just side characters. And that's really what he's getting at here. And one of the things that, that they really tried to do with the Star Wars franchise was be more inclusive. But in the end, they ended up kind of, it was kind of half-assed really. 
So it was it was something that they really tried to push, and then in the end they didn't quite do it justice because in the end the two main characters were still the two white characters. And it's something that they really do need to address moving forward, potentially with some of the TV shows that are coming out. So we're already seeing The Mandalorian. Maybe in the future that will start addressing those things as well. It's something that's obviously on Kathleen Kennedy's mind and hopefully she'll be able to sort this out. But let me know what you guys think about all of this in the comments below. Right, moving on and moving on to Scarlett Johansson. So Scarlett Johansson actually revealed why a Black Widow movie couldn't have happened before now. So... I'm pretty sure you all know uh, we're about to get a Black Widow movie. We were supposed to get it this year, but unfortunately uh, that was pushed into 2021. So there are rumors actually, incidentally, that this film might be and uh, might be released on Disney+. Plus. There are rumors, of course, that there was a Deadline article that, that was released recently that said that wasn't, according to them, the case, that Disney was actually looking at other films like Cruella and Pinocchio to release those on Disney Plus rather than uh, Black Widow, which also makes sense because Black Widow is going to be their big tentpole release in 2021, at least one of them. It was supposed to be their big tentpole release of 2020. So releasing on Disney Plus might not be the best solution, but there are rumors that that might happen. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. But anyway, back to Scarlett Johansson. So she basically, this was in a book actually that's come out recently called Black Widow, the official movie special book. And I got this from uh, comicbookmovie.com. So here's the quote. She said, Before, I don't think I'd have been able to show people who Natasha really is, what drives her, and show her emotional core. I don't think we'd be able to cut that deep back then. It would probably have it would have probably been much more of a straight-up spy thriller and maybe have been a lot flashier in a, in a different kind of way and just scratch the surface of what we do in this movie. So she's basically saying that she and... The character hadn't developed to a point where it is now, where they can really start to kind of delve into the character's psyche and the emotional um, resonance of the film, which uh, it sounds like it's very important. It is going to be a spy thriller. Uh, um, that there is that element to Black Widow that's very, very much prominent. But what they're able to do now, uh, given that Scarlett Johansson has been playing this character for years, since Iron Man 2, in fact, she's been playing um, Black Widow, is that she's very familiar with the character. It's part of her now. She's really made it part of her. So she understands the character a lot better than she did to begin with. There are a lot of people that are saying this is just her giving an excuse, which it could be. It, it could very well be that. But I see it more as her learning, um, kind of how her getting to grips with her character and understanding more how it's how she thinks and and I think it's I think there's that aspect to it as well. I think that is important. But that, that of course there is a case in saying that this movie should have been made a long, long time ago. Because spoilers, if you haven't watched uh, Avengers Endgame yet, and if you haven't watched it yet, then what have you been doing? Again, spoilers. She does die in that movie, uh, which it seems like a bit of a shame to have a Black Widow movie come out after she's died in the main Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Well, not the main ones, but the previous ones. So this, of course, is going back in time. So it means that potentially we will only really get one Black Widow movie, which again is a bit of a shame because I certainly I myself would love to see more of Black Widow in the future, but it's looking like this might be it. I hope not, but it might be. But let me know what you guys think about all of this in the comments below. Right, moving on, and moving on to um, what is a Geekosity scoop, um, and Mikey Sutton, who's the editor and founder of Geekosity, uh, he revealed that, uh, let me just get this up here, sorry, he revealed that Dan Stevens is reportedly 
being considered to play Magneto in the MCU. So this is something that I've been told about for a while now is that uh, Dan Stevens has been talking to Marvel to, to return, uh, well, not just return, but actually be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, of course, Dan Stevens uh, was Legion in the FX uh, sh- TV show, which was um, had Noah Hawley as its showrunner. And Noah Hawley, of course, was going to be was in the process of of making a Doctor Doom movie for for Fox. That, of course, has been put in the bin, which is really unfortunate because Noah Hawley, I think, is is someone who's very very talented. I would go as far as calling him a genius. If you've seen Legion and if you've seen uh, Fargo, the the TV series, then you'll know what I mean. He is very, very talented. And I was really hoping to see what he could do in a movie. So, of course, he was also supposed to direct the uh, Star Trek film, which a lot of that's gone very quiet, which is unfortunate as well. But no, according to Geekosity and according to their intel, that the character that he's up for is Magneto. So what I was told was that he's possibly going to be playing a villain. And I, in the back of my head, I was thinking, oh, was it Doctor Doom? But um, again, this is this is speculation that he is in contention to play Magneto in the MCU, which of course they can now use since they now have the rights to the X-Men characters. So they can then bring in characters like Magneto and Charles Xavier into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They are, I'm pretty sure they're making an X-Men movie. They're, they're definitely prepping one. They're probably writing scripts as we speak and they're trying to get people signed on to roles but this is it kind of makes sense because dan stevens you can see like the the progression i suppose it is progression or of uh sir ian mckellen michael fassbender and then dan stevens it kind of just to me makes sense dan stevens is shown in multiple movies especially like if you've watched the guest then you'll know what i'm talking about he is very good at playing a villain really if you haven't watched the guest go and watch it it's fantastic it's such a good film uh you can you can watch him in that and you can really tell that he's very good at being very creepy and and very dangerous so i i think that would be really good casting uh it's something that i'm i'm all for and i'm very much behind but let me know what you guys think in the comments below about this potential casting news of dan stevens playing magneto in the mcu right moving on from that and on to uh mark ruffalo so i had a bit of fun with this one because i was basically saying well, Mark Ruffalo has basically been cast to play Ryan Reynolds' dad in uh, in a new Netflix film called The Adam Project. This was revealed by The Hollywood Reporter. So he's also, there are a couple of people. Catherine Keene has also been, um, um, been cast in that, along with Jennifer Garner and Zoe Saldana. This is a Sean Levy film. Um, again, he's working with Ryan Reynolds uh, for the second time, basically in a row, after they worked together on Free Guy. And they're actually filming this as we speak in Vancouver. So yeah, what Mark Ruffalo is playing Ryan Reynolds' dad in this film, which is kind of odd because they're basically the same age. So does that mean Bruce Banner is Deadpool's dad? No, it doesn't. They're just um, <laughs> they just happen to be in the in a in the same movie together, in which he is playing Ryan Reynolds' father. You think, well, that's a bit weird. There's there's not really much of an age gap between the two of them, and you'd be right, there isn't. Uh, but Mark Ruffalo's character is going to be is described as a brilliant physicist. And um, and he is going to basically... So let me give you the, 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 the synopsis. So Ryan Reynolds is going to play a man who travels back in time to get some help from his 13-year-old self. They then embark on a journey to find their father, who is played by Mark Ruffalo. So, of course, this means that Mark Ruffalo is playing Ryan Reynolds' 13-year-old dad. Um, this is uh, this is a film, actually, I'm quite looking forward to. Keena's actually going to be playing the, f- the villain in the film. She's playing a woman who's stolen a powerful technology from, from Ruffalo's physicist. 
and uh, the uh, Ryan Reynolds' kind of 13-year-old self is being played by an actor called Walker Scobell. Scobell? Scobell? And this is his first um, feature, well, it's his first professional gig in Hollywood, so it's his very, it's his kind of acting debut. So, and it's, you know, really putting in, put him in at the deep end, having to play a 13-year-old Ryan Reynolds. I'm pretty sure they're going to have a lot of fun with this movie. And I'm actually quite excited for this film because I, I like the idea. I like the people involved in it. I like Sean Levy. I think he's a really, actually very good director. If you've seen anything, he's directed a lot of the, um, he's directed a lot of the Stranger Things uh, episodes and they're really good. I think he's also a producer on that. And he did uh, Nights at the Museum, I believe. I think he's, I think he's a good director, and I think uh, I'm really excited to see Free Guy. And I'd, I'm actually very, very looking forward to seeing this follow-up movie that he's doing for Netflix with Ryan Reynolds. They, they seem like they're a good combo, and they seem, they seem to really be enjoying working together. But let me know what you guys think about all of this in the comments below. Right, moving away from uh, movies and moving on to TV shows. So. Uh, there, if you've, I mean, if you're over here, well, not over here, I'm in France, but if you're in the UK, you, you're probably very, well, actually, if you're anywhere in the world, you're very much aware of, of Empire Magazine, but they're based in the UK. They're a UK magazine, a UK outlet. But their recent, um, there's a big interview in their recent uh, edition. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think of the word then. And it's all about WandaVision. And it's an interview with uh, Kevin Feige which is actually really rare. It's really rare to get a, an interview this big with Kevin Feige, but uh, of course, <laughs> uh, yeah, Empire have have the uh, have the contacts in that department. But they're basically talking about WandaVision and Kevin Feige revealed that um, that Scarlet Witch is going to have hidden powers in this. Well, they're going to be revealed in in this uh, in this upcoming series. Which to me, just I am I am very very much looking forward to seeing this because it seems like nothing. It seems completely different from everything we've seen from um, the MCU before. It's uh, kind of a 1950s setting, maybe even 40s. It's uh, shot like a sitcom. It's all seemingly taking place in Scarlet Witch's own head, which is very very meta. It's very strange. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. It seems like it's going, it's really pushing the boundaries of what they can do in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, with that in mind, here's what um, here's what Kevin Feige had to say. If you look at the Infinity Saga, I don't think any single person has gone through more pain and trauma than Wanda Maximoff. Uh, and no character seems to be as powerful as Wanda Maximoff. And no character has the power set that is as ill-defined and unexplored as Wanda Maximoff. So it seems exploring that would be worthwhile post-Endgame. Who else is aware of that power? Where did it come from? Did the Mind Stone unlock it? So he's talking about all the pain and trauma she's gone through. She's gone through more pain and trauma than anybody else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, really, believe me. She uh, she lost her brother in Quicksilver, who reportedly is going to be coming back in, um, in WandaVision, but of course it's all taking place in her head. So Aaron Taylor-Johnson is going to be playing Quicksilver again. It, it, reportedly again uh then she lost her lover in uh in in uh in paul bettany's vision so there's a lot going on you know there's there's so much going on there she couldn't save the man the well i suppose you can call him the man uh he she loved from thanos it was it's a heartbreaking scene and he's of course like him and uh black widow the two kind of permadeaths let's call it in the marvel cinematic universe that you know paul bettany is in this show uh but as far as the the continuity of the mcu is concerned he is dead 
which is, again, he, Vision was one of the most powerful Avengers, which is quite surprising. So, and it's interesting that the whole bit with the Mind Stone is very interesting because, that, that, of course, that is linked to, to Vision. <clears throat> so did that unlock something in her? I think she's going to end up becoming the kind of, at least in Doctor Strange 2, I think she'll have a, quite a prominent role in that movie and I think she's going to be an antagonist. And I think I have a suspicion that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is going to come up, going to turn up towards the end of this uh, series, the WandaVision series, and is going to have to try and fix things, but then ends up making things even worse. We've already seen, actually, that um, in the in the synopsis, the plot synopsis for Doctor Strange 2, is that he's messing around with the Time Stone. So they're obviously still looking into the kind of the, the Infinity Stones, in the MCU, that that part of it hasn't finished yet. That's still going to be very prominent as with as far as the MCU is concerned, which is interesting because you thought that some people might have thought that might have ended with Thanos, but no, it's going to play an important part moving forward. I'm pretty sure. Like, why would he mention it? Why would Kevin Feige mention it if it's not important? So, I'm thinking that this Wonder Vision uh, TV show is going to lead into Doctor Strange two. And then from Doctor Strange 2, we're going to see all sorts of chaos and havoc unleashed by uh, Scarlet Witch. I'm really excited to see that. If that's the case, I'm also very excited, much excited to see Benedict Cumberbatch turning up at the end of this as as Doctor Strange at the end of WandaVision. I'm I'm very I'm I'm let's give it a 60% positive that this is happening. So it's more than you know it's more than 50. I think it's going to happen and um, I'm really, really looking forward to this show. I'm looking forward to seeing what these hidden powers, these new powers of uh, Scarlet Witch are because she's, she's. I think she is the most powerful being. She could end up being the most powerful being in the MCU. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below. All right, moving on to the Umbrella Academy season uh, three, episode one. So it was uh, tweeted by Netflix Q, which is one of Netflix's many, many Twitter accounts. Uh, so they, they basically tweeted the, the the front page of the script for episode one, which is written by Steve Blackman, who's the showrunner, and uh, I am blanking on his... Uh, sorry, it's taking a while to get up. Uh, Michelle Lavretta, who they, they both, they both uh, wrote the script together, and... It was revealed that the episode is going to be called... Sorry, my internet is very, very slow at the moment. <laughs> what is the episode called? Oh, dear. God, my internet just crashed. Okay, Meet the Family. That's what it's been called. And that's that's something that I am very, very much looking forward to seeing. It's basically teasing a family reunion. And this is something that if you've read the Umbrella Academy, then it seems as though they're bringing in the Shadow Academy, which is uh, is very exciting for those of you who know anything about the Umbrella Academy. This episode, of course, is actually being directed by a friend of the show, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Webb. He revealed that to us a couple of a couple of days ago. I'm just really, really excited to see this this show. Uh, the Umbrella Academy season two was, in my opinion, better than the Umbrella Academy season one, and I think season three is going to be even better. There are rumors that the, that the Umbrella Academy is going to get five seasons on Netflix, which will be a lot for a Netflix show. They don't tend to get to five seasons, but it's something that I am really looking forward to seeing. This again, Steve Steve Blackman's done an incredible job with the Umbrella Academy. It's 
one of the best, I think, comic book adaptations in in the kind of TV universe I've seen. And uh, and it has fans all over the world, not just in the US and the UK. It's it's worldwide, really, truly worldwide, which is very important for a Netflix show. It's something that not all Netflix shows quite are able to capture. But for for some reason, the, the Umbrella Academy has really, people have gone with it all over the world. And it's something that I am very lo- much looking forward to. So it seems as though we might be meeting more family members from possibly the actual family members of the mem- of the Umbrella Academy. So that's going to be, I think that's going to be pretty exciting. So I- I'm looking forward to that. But let me know what you guys think about that in the comments below. Right, moving on from that, moving on to the Animaniacs. And this is uh, the <laughs> this has got people really riled up, and to be honest, understandably so. So, if you've been watching the revival series, uh, it's it's you know I was actually really looking forward to this show because it was um, it's something that is part it, it was part of my childhood growing up. It was it's kind of wacky and zany, and um, and at the moment I'm struggling to actually find. <laughs> uh the article for some reason but um yeah it's it's kind of it's it's a fascinating um tv show and it was it was being revived on hulu but then they did this very odd joke uh and basically it had to do with johnny depp so of course i've been talking a lot about johnny depp over the last weeks but you know why the the whole trial's been going on he lost the 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 his libel case against the son in the UK courts and he then lost his job in Fantastic Beasts 3 but still actually managed to get paid but um, he got paid I think 10 million I think for that but with and he only did one episode but he's now kind of the butt of yeah uh, seems to be now the butt of all jokes in Hollywood and then it's kind of taken it's it's gone into Animaniacs, which I'm really surprised by, and basically, the 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 scene in in question had a uh, a movie poster behind one of the characters that had a picture of Johnny Depp, and on on the top of it was Johnny Depp in Johnny De- Johnny Two telling lies, and uh, it's it's one of those things. That I, first off, I'm really surprised they made that joke. And people really, really didn't appreciate it on Twitter. And people called it sick and disgusting, got very offended by it, got very annoyed by it. You know what? I think they might have taken it a bit too far. Uh, I I understand why certain people might find this just to be completely wrong. To be honest, I do as well. It's, you know, people saying... I mean, you can look at the, the article on... on um, on the on the website you know that they're, they're really they're they're not happy that they're mocking him some people have called it disgusting as i said before uh people have said it's ruined the animaniac show they can't support the show or warner brothers because of this it's sickening some people have said and to be in a cartoon and it it's kind of like a, it was like a passing joke and it it really didn't it just kind of fell flat i think going to be completely honest with you guys there it's not something that i think really can be made fun of as at the moment it's kind of i think we need to i don't think it should be made fun of at all to be honest because it's not it's not a laughing matter really what's been going on but they thought it i suppose the writers thought it was funny and they went with it you know this thing kind of goes through so many people and i'm actually surprised it ended up seeing the light of day but oh well it's one of the well not oh well but it's it happened people are upset about it People are saying that they're upset about it on Twitter. You know, 
they are, their voices are being heard, I think, because there's a lot of people out there that, that are talking about it. But what do you guys think about that? Let me know in the comments below. Right, moving on. Moving on to The Queen's Gambit, which has broken Netflix records after 62 million people viewed it. That's a lot of people. So they all binge watched the show, apparently. And this comes, um, I got it from Deadline, but the, apparently the numbers come from Netflix themselves. If you haven't watched The Queen's Gambit, it is actually one of the best things on Netflix at the moment. It's starring, it stars Anya Taylor-Joy that plays Beth Harmon, and she's a chess prodigy, but she has her own demons. She's, uh, she's an alcoholic. Well, she's, she has a very addictive personality. So she's addicted to alcohol, drugs. It was written by two-time Academy-nominated Scott Frank, who's won a bunch of Emmys as well for Godless, which was his previous... Uh, I think that was also on Netflix. And it's got a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very, very rare. This is, of course, the critics' score. Critics don't always agree on something. You know, Critics often disagree on a lot of things, but they very much agree as far as uh, The Queen's Gambit's concerns, and it seems as though viewers do as well, because 62 million uh, people have viewed the, um, the show, making it the most popular limited scripted miniseries in Netflix's, uh, Netflix's history. It now has the fifth largest TV debut of all time. The only shows ahead of it are The Witcher, Money High Season 4, Tiger King and Stranger Things season three. So it's in very good company there. It's one of it's it's a big win for Netflix. I'm very happy because it's a really good show and deserves it deserves I think it's gonna sweep up at the Emmys this year. I really do. I think if it doesn't, I'll be I'll be very surprised. If Anya if Anya Taylor Joy doesn't get some sort of recognition for her role in this movie for her performance i'll be very very surprised if scott frank doesn't get anything for what he did he directed i think he directed all the episodes as well it's a really very very special show but let me know what you guys think about the show in the comments below i know a lot there are lots of fans of it out there and deservedly so it's brilliant it's really really good right moving on to the final tv story of the day not the final story of the day but the final tv story of the day and that's that doc the doctor who uh um, holiday special is going to feature John Barrowman and he's returning as Captain Jack so of course he returned in Doctor Who season 12 but he's it's now been revealed in a, a teaser trailer that he is coming back in this uh, special episode which is being called Revolution of the Daleks so the Daleks are coming back as well which is quite big news Doctor Who uh, season 12 for me was a bit of a letdown but I really liked his episode uh, I'm a big fan of Captain Jack. I really love Torchwood. And I think just have it. He's also the the face of Bo is what, another thing they call him in the show. Of course, you see him. Was it in one of David Tennant's episodes as the face of Bo? I believe so. But, it, he, you know, he's a really important character as far as style, um, styles, as far as Doctor Who lore is concerned. And I'm just glad that they're bringing him back. I'm glad that they're bringing John Barrowman back. I think he's perfect in the role. He brings the kind of enthusiasm that... I think is really needed and hopefully uh, the, the writers can do something very uh, very special with him, with, with his character. And anyway, the, on the Doctor Who website, there was um, a statement from John Barrowman. So he said, putting on Jack's coat and setting foot back on the set of uh, Doctor Who was just like going back home. It's always thrilling to play Captain Jack. He's a character very close to my heart who changed my life. And I know, um, and to know the fans love him as much as I do makes his return even sweeter. I hope everyone enjoys Jack's heroic adventure with 13. So it seems as though he's going to be in uh, in season 13 as well, not just the 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 holiday special, which is good. I think I think he's uh 
I think he deserves it. I think the character's really fascinating. I think the show kind of needs it. It needs him. And um, hopefully, fingers crossed, this next season will be better than the ones that have come before it because kind of the Chris Chibnall uh, Doctor Who seasons haven't been as good as they should be. Because I think they're really... I, I honestly think there's an issue because you've got really a potential, potentially fantastic Doctor in, in uh, Jodie Whittaker who's being let down by the scripts. She's being let down by the stories. And I really think they need they, they need to kind of get their act together and really start making a, as a show that was as good as it used to be. It was it, during the, the David Tennant years, it was fantastic even before that. Um, I'm blanking on the, on the actor's name right now, as I do often, but I, I loved the, that one season that he was in. You'll probably let me know in the comments who, who I'm thinking of. I'm seriously blanking on his name. There are even lots of... Um, Matt Smith episodes that I really liked and I kind of tapered off after then but I, I, I was trying to get back into it with Jodie Whittaker but just wasn't it really wasn't as good as I wanted it to be hopefully this next season will be right so the final news uh, of the day is that uh, Ready Player Two is now out <laughs> so if you the book not the movie um, if if you're into pop culture at all then you'll probably have, you, you would have heard of Ready Player One which is a book written by Ernest Cline and then made into a movie uh, directed by Steven Spielberg I'm not sure if he's going to be directing a sequel but it looks as though they're trying to get him on board um, for this sequel but the, the books come out today and people went a bit crazy about it on Twitter and started basically sharing that they bought it and getting really excited about it and then some people made some jokes about some of the writing which you know Ernest Cline isn't the best writer in the world I will admit that but I really do love the story in Ready Player One I am I'll admit it I'm listening to the uh, to the audiobook now I'm not I'm not reading it <laughs> I, I did want to but I didn't I, I at the moment my, I don't have a Kindle and I didn't really I wanted I wanted to to listen to it on Audible uh, I like Will Wheaton's uh, performance the way he reads it I think is really really quite good actually and it, and it kind of brings the book to life but there are a lot of uh, shots of, of passages from the book that they do read quite badly I'm going to be honest but you're not you're not buying Ready Player One because of the, the the way it's written you're buying it because of the story you're buying it because of the world and I for one am very very excited to to finish this story it's something that I've been looking forward to for a long long time now and also, I'm looking forward to the the sequel. I I liked. I, I really really enjoyed Ready Player One. Uh, Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. Hopefully, he'll direct the second one, and hopefully, it'll be just as good, may, potentially even better. Let me know what you guys think about Ready Player One and Ready Player Two in the comments below. Have you read Ready Player Two already? I know a lot of people. There are people out there that have read it. They're very quick readers, and I'm interested to know what you guys think. But That'll be it for today. Thank you very much for watching. You can follow Small Screen everywhere at Small Screen GB. That's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can go to the website at small-screen.co.uk. You can, if you don't like watching live streams, you can listen to this as a podcast, which is at Small Screen Stories, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please give us five stars. That'd be wonderful. If you could like and subscribe, that'd be great as well. That'd be really, really helpful and really, really appreciated. If you're watching on Facebook, uh, share, like, uh, like the page, follow the page, do all of that stuff. And with that, I'll say good night or good morning, or wherever, whatever time it is where you guys are. Thank you very much for watching and I'll see you in the next video. Cheers. Bye.